want to thank you all for being here this morning. I know after all those hangovers and stuff, it's kind of hard to get here. Uh, I say that jokingly, but I had a friend. I just got on Facebook a few months ago, and it's really been kind of good to reconnect with friends. I don't know what I'm doing on it, but a friend of mine that I went to school with, he said, wow, times have changed. He said this time of year, he said, I would have had a case of Budweiser and this, and he says, now I have a, a crock pot of chicken noodle soup, and I'm with family and friends, and we're thanking God for the new year. And By the grace of God, we've all, uh, I think all of us in here at least have experienced that, and thank you, Lord, for giving us a just a greater hope even in this life. As they, they asked me a while back if I would uh, preach today, and uh, I said, yeah, uh, I'd love to. Thank you, elders of this church, for giving me that opportunity, and especially Roger. Uh, he never knew me from Adam, and he trusted them. And uh, I've grown to absolutely love our pastor here and uh, grow in the truth he brings us. You know that Josh, uh, Joseph, Joshua, I already said the wrong thing. That Joseph study he brought, even though uh, Mike was kidding me last night and said it's too long, uh, that's a little joke between him and Roger, okay? Uh, man, I just, I just saw that whole story in a completely different light, and so many truths, and it really spoke to my heart in a way that, a good convicting way. So when they asked me to preach, I was going to do a celebration of the second advent. So if you're going to talk about the second advent of Christ, remember we just got through celebrating the first advent, a little bitty baby in a manger. Second advent is when Jesus returns. As, he's not going to come back in a little bit, as a little bitty baby. You know that. He's resurrected. He's at the right hand of God the Father, and he is going to return as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And let me tell you, if you're not on his side, not going to be good. Just not going to be good. Well, I had the whole outline planned, and this week as I started to fine-tune it, I was reading in the book of Revelation, and if you've studied the book of Revelation at all, you know it starts out with Christ talking to these seven churches. And the last church he talks to is the church of Laodicea. If you know anything about the church of Laodicea, I'm just going to read those words. This, this is really the introduction. This isn't, uh, we're going to have uh, this verse here in just a little bit, but I'm, I'm, going to, I'm kind of leading you down the road of how I got to the sermon I'm going to preach today. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the amen. This is Christ talking. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation, meaning he created it all, he rules it all, he still rules it all today, but one day he'll come back and he'll take control of that. Verse 15, I know your deeds. Now remember he's talking to this angel and he's speaking to that church. I know your deeds. It's you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need anything. That's the church. He's talking, and that's what the church says. Hey, I'm a wealthy church. They're saying, I'm doing fine, that we don't need anything. But Christ says this to them. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put in your eyes so that you can truly see. He ends with this, those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Christ says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice 
open the door, I'll come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to set with me on my throne. Just as I overcame and set with my father on his throne, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, I got to that verse, and I thought, you know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of theologians today say this is the time we're living in. The church in America feels like they don't need anything, and we're doing okay. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but I will tell you, I believe, well, ever since Christ was resurrected, we're in the last times, but me and Dennis was just talking, and uh, he says, gosh, I just don't know how much more we can take of this, and I agree, so I got to looking at this church, and I, I thought, well, I'll just change my sermon to uh, what this church is talking about, and then it took me to a place beyond the church, because I thought about each individual in this church. Something's happened to this church. It started out good, and then it came to a point where it thought, I don't really need Christ anymore. I'm okay. If you go into a real deep study of this church, their, their doctrine had went bad. They didn't, they didn't preach the things they should. But as Christ always done and, and is doing to each of us, he calls us back to himself. So, I came to a sermon that I've entitled, Turning Back to God. And the reason why this is so personal to me, and many of you probably don't know, but uh, being a pastor for many years at another church, I left because I saw a fight coming not putting down anybody. I'm not telling you to take sides on anything. What I'm doing is I'm telling you I wasn't up for the fight. And something had happened, and I thought I wasn't mad at anyone. I just thought, you know, I was about ready to retire. I developed what they call tremors. Some of you know what that is as you get older. Uh, They say it's because I was in Desert Storm. I just think it's part of my heritage, I just think whatever happens to people, you know, it happens when you get older. And I couldn't type anymore, couldn't write anymore. Through medication, I can do a little bit of that now. So I thought, I'm just not going to fight the fight. And uh, so I left, I retired, and me and Brenda always wanted to build a house, so one thing led to another, we built a house. Now I'm telling you this because what's happened in all this, I never meant to turn my back to God. I wasn't mad at God. I wasn't really mad at anyone. Yeah, I was hurt. Uh, We all hurt each other as Christians uh, at times, one time or another. And uh, I remember my dad, uh, it's been a while back, he he told me something. He says something like, I think you're mad at God. You're mad at something. I'll tell you where I was. We built the house. I intended to get back into church. And I really, you'd think after pastoring and loving, I just, I do, I love Christ. Never quit loving Christ. But I I got to where I really wasn't interested in ever going back to organized church. I had a Bible study for a long time. That that kind of fed me. Um, so this is going to get really personal. So I was kind of hoping there wouldn't be this many people here this morning. Uh, although I think they filmed this, so I guess I'm on camera for saying all this. One day in my Bible study, still studying the Bible, and thank Thanks to God working on my wife's heart, too. She kept telling me we needed to get back into church, and I really wasn't interested. One day, God just said to my heart, he doesn't do this real clear all the time. He said, I needed to get back into church. So, okay. One thing I try to be is obedient when I clearly hear, you know, him speaking. And I told Brenda, I said, just pick a church as long as we pastors preaching the word 
And uh, to be honest with you, not too many, it's funny, being a pastor, not too many people ever invited, invited me to a church, so we tried a couple, and uh, we ended up coming here, and I'll tell you one thing about the pastor you have here is he preaches the word. And that's all I wanted. That's all I asked for. I didn't ask for dynamic this. I didn't ask for dynamic that. I love some of you, and I've known some of you since we were in high school, which is going to be a good thing or a bad thing, right, Susie and Mike? Uh, that can be, but that isn't why I came here. I, I came here because I heard the word preached, and that's why I stayed. But in that, I didn't expect something to happen. Every week, I saw an ugly heart that I didn't even know was there. I, uh, golly, why when you get older do you get more emotional? Uh, I saw some things that were in my heart that I didn't like, and uh, even the music from week to week got better and better, and it wasn't, I don't think it was Paul, <laughs> and I don't necessarily think it was necessarily whoever was, sorry, Paul, I'm not saying he, it wasn't good, but I, I really, I had no interest in, in the praise time, and, but yet each week it got better and better. What was happening was my heart was softening up once again. And then the preaching got better and better to where now I can't wait to get here and hear what Roger has to say. It started out with this one thing. I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to be obedient. I don't feel like doing this, but I'm going to do this. And thank God I was obedient in that one thing. Where I'm going with this, though, in the middle of all that, I found a book. It's been in my library forever. And it's called Getting Back in the Race to Cure for Black Backsliding. Now, if you would have told me even three months ago that I had backslidden, I would have told you, no, that's not right. I'm just where I'm at. So I started reading this book and was deeply convicted by this book. So much so that I took time to briefly outline this book. Along with looking at scripture, wrote down some notes. Well, last week when I was doing this message, I took some of the notes from this book, and it's worth reading, even if you don't feel you backslid. I mean, I didn't know. Isn't God wonderful to us? We don't even know we're at a place and he does things to us. That's why, no matter what I say to you today, you know, I can't do the work in any of your heart. I just can't do it. There's, there's no way I can say it. There's no way I can put it forth that's going to get to your heart. It has to be God moving in your heart. So this morning, Lord, if there's some that are backslidden here or someone you may know that is backslidden, you know, we don't need to go to them. We do, you know, if you, for instance, you know somebody's backslidden, Buy them this book, give it to them, probably isn't the best way to remind them or to tell them they backslid, okay? It's just probably not. The best way, I mean, that, that doesn't work for me. If my dad would have shoved this in my face and said, son, you need to read this because I know this is where you're at, that just wouldn't work for me. I wish it would, but I, I'm just not that nice a person or whatever. I don't. God has to do the work. So if you think, just pray for them. Pray for them. Be the intercessor for the people you love. I'm so convicted of that. You know, I've done two, I did a funeral last week of a, of a hero, a Vietnam veteran that had two purple hearts. I mowed his lawn, got to know him, a, a, a good Christian man, conservative to the point that he was almost obnoxious about it. But that's all right. We all get that way to some point. But, and then I went and sat beside an old friend in high school. And he wasn't a good friend. Uh, some of you may knew Louis Clark. He was a friend of a friend. Don Alley was a friend of mine. 
Don Alley was another guy ran around with, quite the little ornery fella, uh, loved to fight. Uh, he got me into a predicament one time. Somebody threw a beer bottle at his truck. I'm just going to tell you this real quick. I'm going off pattern. But this is the type of guy Donnie was. There was like six people in the car. They throw this beer bottle out. You know how you're going down 7 Highway? It's right by the Green Bridge. I can see it like it was yesterday. Hit Donnie's truck, and I think it was Donnie's dad's truck. Donnie pulls over, and he's running up there. This car stops. There's six guys getting out, and there's me and Donnie running. And I'm running behind him. I'm going, what in the world are we going to do? Six guys way bigger than me and Donnie. And he's like, I'm going to, you know, you know how that goes. Come on, Pleasant Hill, if you guys grew up with us back in the 70s, that's how things went. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to leave my, my friend hanging out in the cold, so I'm running, and, and he's running. And if you knew Don, he didn't, he just hit the first guy that said something, and then I hit a guy, and for some reason, all six of them got back in their car and run off. And I'm like, pray, I wasn't a believer. I don't, I don't know if I was a believer then or not. I'd been baptized, but I, I just, whatever. And, and they ran off. Thank God, because we would have been killed. But I'm just telling you, this is how I knew Donnie, and I knew Louie through Donnie. And when I was pastoring at Strasburg, Louie came to church a few times, and I talked to him about Christ. He didn't seem to be interested at the time. But as I get older, I get more nostalgic, and I get more concerned about people's true salvation. And I'll tell you where I'm at in my life at 63. I don't care what political side you're on. I really don't care anything. All I care about is when you take your last breath that you're in heaven with me. Because you know what? I don't deserve to be there. I just absolutely don't. But I'll tell you what. I was, I was sitting beside Louie and I was holding his hand. There wasn't anybody in that room. And all he could do was open his eyes. And I prayed with him, and then I, we talked about the gospel. And I told him, I said, Louie, I don't know where you're at. I think you can probably hear me because he was opening his eyes. And I said, I need to tell you about Jesus. You know, there's a God, and me and you both have sinned against that God. But there's hope in Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. When you close your eyes for the last time, if you just say this, if you... If you believe in your heart, and I went through the gospel message and I said simple things, just like you remember when Jesus was on the cross and there were two thieves, one of them said all he had to do was acknowledge that Christ was who he was and he said, if, would you please remember me when you enter into your kingdom? We don't have to say some special kind of thing, that'll do her. That's what I told Louie. I don't know what happened thereafter, all I know is he passed away. And I came home, and I, I cried all the way home, and I just, it just, I think about all the silly things I've put importance in over my lifetime. And when I went through this book, and I thought about this message, I thought, it may be for no one in here, but just me and maybe one other person. But I realized I'd backslidden. And I also realized if it wasn't for God's grace, I'd still be in that state. And it's no one's fault but mine and possibly the enemy's. So I start out with this verse. I, I entitled it Turning Back to God instead of us turning away from God. And I'm going to look at Hosea. The first one is Hosea 11.7. I want you to know something about us that you probably have already figured out. My people are determined to turn from me. The King James puts it this way. My people are bent to backsliding from me. That is our heart. That is us. We are just bent towards that. Even Remember, he's talking to his people, and you say, well, that's not me. Well, that's all throughout the Bible. We just have a tendency to turn away from God. When th not just when things are going bad, 
but more particularly when things are going good. Look at the church of Laodicea. You know, out of all seven churches in the book of Revelation, that was the one that was the most prosperous. That was the one that had what everybody, it was a big, thriving church. And everybody would have said, that's the church I want to join. Not the one before that Jesus had no bad things to say about that was poor. They, they were being just crushed in on every side, but yet they were the one that was closest to Christ. So that's why I say in America today, we are still prosperous, right? We as Americans, I don't have to worry about, actually most of us have to worry about eating too much, not too little. So we need to know our heart, and and my heart, I've always known this, but I just didn't think it would be so easy to fall into this thing. God says, my people are determined to turn from me, or bent to backsliding from me. Even if they call to the Most High, He will by no means exalt them. Now, there's good news later on, but at this point in Hosea, God's people have backslidden from Him. They don't want to have nothing to do with Him. Now, I want to define this. Quite plainly, I want to give you something that I'm not talking about. My people here, this I'm not talking to unbelievers this morning. Although this can be put to good use to an unbeliever, I'm talking about us as Christians. And this is what he's talking about. My people are Christians today. This is not speaking to unbelievers. This is speaking to believers that have turned away from God due to an increase of sin and a decrease of obedience in their lives over some period of time. It's a, it's a small, it can be a small period of time, or for me it was over several years. And it didn't, I didn't mean for it to happen, and it didn't happen overnight. It took a lot of time, and it wasn't meant to be. I wasn't holding a grudge. Against our Lord, I wasn't shaking my fist at my Lord. I'm just wanting to show you in my life how easy this happened. And it's also, remember when I talk about backsliding, I don't want it to be confused with the Christian battle we all face continually. So I went to one verse in John, and I think he's got it up there, I can't tell, but it's in John, 1 John chapter 1, verses 9 through chapter 2, verses 2. And I want to read this. And if you want to meditate on a good verse, this is the life we live as Christians. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us of all righteousness. Amen to that. Read the rest of this. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar and His word is not in us. Well, amen to that too. Chapter 2, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice of our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. That's where we live as Christians. And this, I'm not talking to you that that's where you live. Because that is our life. We sin, then we repent of sin, and then we sin, and then God shows us our sin. That's not backsliding. What backsliding is, is you, is you continually slide back a little bit further, and your heart becomes a little bit more hardened to the things of God. And it usually shows up into this. I just found this out to my shame. And being a pastor, you'd think it wouldn't, but it usually starts with your, you become very disinterested in his church. You just find that the people, I, I hear it all the time, especially now that I'm coming out of my backslidden condition and I'm trying to talk to people. They're like, you know, after this or after that, I'm just not interested in church no more. Yeah, that's where I was. So I'm praying to God, maybe I can help a few of those there. 
And I'm praying to God I wasn't part of that, although sometimes I think maybe I was. But in 1 John, you have to know that's not what I'm talking about. And I want to give you some conditions. Turning away from God is obviously a serious matter. Here's why it's a serious matter. It not only kills our witness for Christ, but damages our relationship with Christ our love and, and our love and fellowship with Him, which in turn deeply grieves the Holy Spirit that's in each and every one of us. Then in turn will most definitely, this I know to be true, will most definitely damage our relationship with God and others. People I loved over years and years, it damaged my relationship with them. And I'm just going to be honest with you, I didn't care. Don't feel that way now. But at the time, I just didn't care. Told you this was personal. (laughs) Oh, let me give you a few signs of turning or backsliding. Sign number one, your relationship with Christ, those closest to you and other believers deteriorates over time. Doesn't happen overnight, takes time. You have an, in, this is another sign, a backslidden condition. You love the things of this world and you don't love the things of God as much. You don't love God as much. You don't love His Word like you used to. A third one is this, and I know this one to be true. Your prayer life either ceases or it becomes mundane. You know, Lord God, thank you for this food. Amen. Lord God, thank you for this time together. Amen. You say it, but there's nothing really in the heart. Number four, another sign is an increased tolerance of sin. That's within us. I want to clarify this. An increase of sin that's within us, not necessarily, we can fake the sin without us. I've been doing church long enough and been a Christian long enough. On the outside, you probably can't tell, couldn't tell. I didn't go back to my old partying days, and I didn't go back to this, and I didn't go back to my carousing days and whatever it was, the sins of my youth. I didn't go back to that. So it wasn't an outward sign. It was an inward problem, and it was an increase of tolerance, of sin inwardly, not necessarily outwardly. And it was a decreased ability for me to be able to see it, which led me to an inability to repent of it if I couldn't see it. And I wouldn't have seen it. I'm just going to tell you now, it wouldn't have been because of a preacher It's the power of the Holy Spirit that showed it to me. Now, that doesn't mean God doesn't use you people. I remember things my dad said. I remember things my wife said. I remember things a few other people said. But that isn't what made me repent. It was God. Also, number five, an increase in man-centered hopes and a decrease in Christ-centered hopes. Number six, an increase in our affections towards anything that involves organized church. Now, you do have to be careful today because there's a lot of churches that aren't preaching this anymore. I'm telling you, they're not preaching the Jesus of the Bible. They're not preaching the truth, the gospel truth, that you will not enter into the presence of God, the holy, holy, holy God, without the perfection of Jesus Christ. You cannot do it on your own. You can't work hard enough. You can't be righteous enough. You have to have the blood of Christ covering your sins. That is it. Now, I'm going to go through these really quick because these are really personal. And some of them are are going to probably maybe convict you, and I hope it doesn't make you mad, but just listen from a heart that's loving 
I thought about these six things, and then I made it real personal. I thought about number one. This is one, and guys, don't get me wrong. I believe you should choose sides here sometimes, but, you know, the political climate we live in, I wrote this. As my heart became colder to the things of Christ, politics became more important to me. Politics became somewhat of a basis for my hope instead of putting my hope in Christ. My hope became the results of the next election. I'll tell you where we're at in America. Read Romans 1. America, we're in judgment. The judgment of God is on America today. The judgment of God is on every country that I know and every nation in this world right now. Our hope cannot be in our nation. I'm not telling you not to vote and not have an opinion, but remember, we have won the war in Christ Jesus. It's not a political party. And that gave me real peace. Here's another one. Pleasure, entertainment captured my mind. Things like TV. Music really doesn't do it for me. I'm not a big music guy. But instead of listening to Christian radio, I'd listen to old 70s songs. I'd wake up listening to Queen. <laughs> that ought to tell you something. Yeah. Another one, friends and relationships became my heaven instead of helping me along to heaven. There's a lot I can unpack there, but I'll just stop there. Here's another one that I found, and this one's new to me. And please, I'm not trying to be ugly, but in our society today, clothes, clothing, ceases to serve as modest covering, protection, and adornment of our body. Instead, it consumes our money in a bid to impress neighbors, to display our sophistication, gain attention, or express sensuality. Now, I don't think we have too much of a problem in Pleasant Hill with trying to impress our neighbors with the clothes we wear or to display our sophistication. Okay, I'm not saying that. But if you look on TV, the entertainment we look at, goodness grief, the things they wear on TV only strippers used to wear. Even the halftime of our Super Bowls I wouldn't let my kids watch because there's two strippers out there performing. That's exactly what it was. Or years ago when I was youth director here and we was having a party for the Super Bowl and some guy took off Janet Jackson's top right in the middle of the Super Bowl party. Oh, this has been going on for a long time, but let me tell you, it's way worse now. I'll tell you what the Bible says for us as Christians. Just dress modest. There's nothing wrong with wanting to look good. Goodness grief. Put on your makeup. I'm not talking about that. Put on, put on a little jewelry. Try to look a little good. That's not what I'm talking about. It's like when you personally are trying to get someone's attention by the attire you're wearing in the wrong way. That's what we're talking about. So let's get back to turning back to God. This is found in Hosea chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Now, we went from God saying, my people are bent to backsliding, but then in Hosea, the prophet says this, return Israel to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to Him, Forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say, Our gods to the work of our hands have made, for in you the fatherless find compassion. If you look at these words, first of all, the first thing we must do to turn back to God is repent, a true repentance. 
you turn away, you admit. That's, that's all God's asked of us, even in Christ, is to repent. Say, I'm a sinner. I can't do it without you. Just can't do it. All other religions, except for Christianity, all the rest of them say, you can work your way into heaven, and we say that you simply can't do enough. Because God is perfect, and we will never be perfect. Even those of you that are good people, as we define it, good people today. Because really, if you look at the Bible, none of us are good. All of us have sinned and fallen way short of the glory of God. But he gives us some things here in Hosea. And remember, this is back in the Old Testament. Back in the Old Testament, people were saved the same way. He says, repent. We know what that is. That's grieving over our sin. That's confessing our sin. That's fleeing from our sin. And here's the key for me. Then we pursue righteousness. You don't just flee from your sin and grieve over it. You do something. You go in another direction. You pursue righteousness. That's the key. Then it says in verse 2, it gives us some really neat words here, and I can't go in depth in what they mean, but many times if you're reading uh, the, uh, the Puritans and some of the old theologians, they use the term means of grace, and the means of grace are things like Scripture, prayer, and praise. And it says here in these, in these verses, in verse 2, take words. Take the word of God with you. Return to the Lord. Say to him. That's speaking it to him. Pray to him. So we have the word. We have scripture. We have prayer. Pray. Say to him. Really say to him. Forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer. What's this? The fruit of our lips. What's the fruit of your lips? That's the praise. That's the worship of God. That's one thing when we was going through Our study on Joseph I saw with Jacob. Jacob wasn't good at a lot of things as a father. Let's just admit it, he wasn't. But he always had a tendency, he he would worship God all the time. He still kept that in front of him. He would make altars. It's good to worship. That's why I'm saying as you... As you come out of this backslidden state or the state maybe where you've grown to love the things of the world too much, just ask God. Say, God, I don't... You know, the Holy Spirit will do this for you. He did it for me. You don't know what the sin is. You can just say, God, show me the sin in my heart. Show Show me what's going on. Or just help me to turn back to you or help me. Some of you may not be in the state at all, but we all need to be closer to God, right? And say, help me to be closer to you. That's all I'm saying. And he'll do it. The Holy Spirit will show you what you need to do. And you can become closer to him. And your praise will be greater. Your worship of him in, in, in his word will be greater. It will illuminate things in your heart. And then when you go to him in prayer, it will be sweeter. Much sweeter when I go out and walk the dog every morning at my time with the Lord, the dog's playing and I'm praying. It's just been sweeter. The last few days we've been babysitting my daughter's two dogs. It hadn't been sweeter because there's been, there's been three great big dogs and i got to watch them and they will literally run you over. And they always want to play near you, so that hadn't been the greatest time with those three. But when, when Daniel gets home Tuesday morning, those dogs will be back with them Tuesday afternoon but those three things the means of grace we know what they are the word of God prayer and praise of God that brings us back to him also says notice the last part of these verses it says turning back to the God Let me look down here because I can barely see that up there. Um, In those verses it says, Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods. In other words, 
these people made idols. So one, one thing we need to do today, and especially, you know, in America, if we would quit worshiping everything else, God would bless us again. But I'm really not talking about America. I'm talking about the church. And I'm talking about me and you. Turn away from those things you've made gods in your life. That's anything. That's why I gave you what First James or First John chapter one nine through chapter two two is. You know this is a continual struggle in our lives, but we have to make God first in all things. Here though, they made idols. They literally made idols and they worshipped them. And they say to God, we'll quit doing that. We'll quit making. And if you don't think we don't make idols today, we do all over the place. There are religions all over. There are religions that are Baptists that make idols. They take Jesus and they take his word and they take out what they don't like. And what remains is just a loving, meek Jesus that, that will never judge sin, that, 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 that anything goes as long as you say, I love Jesus. And that's just not the Jesus of the Bible. Boy, have you, I just can't believe how many people don't know the Jesus of the Bible. And it's not hard to do. Read the Gospels. Read it over and over and over. Take instead of, and guys, I like watching movies. I just do. It, I've, it's been a thing I've done my whole life. But, you know, take one of the movie nights and spend it just reading the Gospels. Get to know Jesus. And you'll know it's not the one a lot of places are preaching today. It's the Jesus that said the truth so many times. You do understand that's why they crucified him. Because they didn't like what he was saying. And it offended them. He would point out their sin and they just, well, they wanted to stone him. How many times in scripture? They wanted to kill him. So when we tell the truth, you know, this has been hard for me over the years. When I tell the truth, I've had people say they wanted to beat me up and blah, blah, blah. I remember long time ago, I did a study, the Book of Mormon versus the Bible. You do know the Book of Mormon is not the Bible. It is not the Word of God. It is a cultic book, and it should not ever be mentioned in the same words as our precious Word of God. And when I said that, I got calls. I remember on Wednesday nights, people calling and cussing me out, and they were coming over, and I thought, oh my goodness, what bucket of worms have I opened up here? I didn't expect that kind of hatred, and I remember after one service I had, I had this big old guy waiting to beat me up, but you know what? Two months later, I was baptizing him in the name of the real Jesus, and he never beat me up because I was faster than him. No, not really. He just never beat me up because I, thank God, he just didn't. Actually, that happened several times. So, turning back. Now, the last point I have to make is found in Hosea 14.4. And this is a topic I put. Turning back to God through God's grace. Now, that's what I just got through talking about, through God's grace. We say, you know, we use the means of grace. What? Word, prayer, and praise. Word, prayer, and praise. We use the means of grace. But where does that grace come from? This is of the utmost importance. You can't just, poof, grace is upon you. Turning back to God through God's grace comes in and through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So, listen to what God says here in Hosea 14.4. I will heal their waywardness, and love them freely. For my anger has turned away from them. <laughs> Couldn't we just meditate on that one for a while? And you know, you know why I bring it? You know how this is true? It isn't true simply because God just says it. It's true because... Back in the Old Testament, they were looking to the Messiah. They were looking to the cross. We're looking back to the cross, but they were saved the same way. They had to look forward. The only way this becomes true in our lives is for us to turn to Jesus. 
You can't use the means of grace if you don't have the means of grace through Jesus Christ. You can't gain access to the means of grace and the Holy Spirit power unless you have Christ. Actually, the Holy Spirit, the third trinity of of the Godhead, His purpose is to point you to Christ. It isn't necessarily to make you speak in tongues or to dance funny or anything else. But I'm telling you, if the Holy Spirit says you to do that, you go ahead. David did it. I'm not comfortable with it. But let me tell you what, when the Holy Spirit fills your heart, you'll know it, but it'll always turn you to Christ. Three things. He says He's going to heal us. Now, I have some fancy theological words here, but this one kind of equals sanctification. God says He's the great healer. This is a process used to faithfully and continually work upon our souls and within and without to conform us to to Jesus Christ our Savior. That's what healing is. Constantly conforming us to Jesus. Constantly. And you know you have been conformed. Come on, guys. Some of us us I know in here, we're getting older. You're not who you used to be. I'm not telling you to be hard on yourself. I'm telling you to be honest with yourself and with the Lord. Know you're bent towards backsliding, but yet in Christ you can live a life that pleases Him. But we need to be in Christ. We need to use the means of of grace to, to be healed. And to go to Christ, it's okay. That's what's so wonderful about, we're about to observe the Lord's Supper. You know why we can do that? Because our God has healed us in Christ. He's healed us and He's continually healing us. That's what sanctification is. Day by day, hour by hour, year by year, He's healing us. Now the next one, the second one, this love. Love here in Hosea means God has adopted me and you into his family. Oh, oh man, that is glorious news. I, 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 I try to maintain my emotions here, but when I'm with God, I think, how can you adopt someone like me? And I'm not just trying to be, oh, I'm such a bad person, this is me. I'm telling you, it is amazing that Preston Sanders has been adopted into God's family. That's why when I go and see other people that I don't think are believers, I just, I cry because, that, gosh, they're no worse than me. Matter of fact, many are a lot nicer than me and been kinder when we were growing up. One of the things I've, I'm, I've been kind of doing as I get older, looking back to when I was a kid, and, you know, I never looked back. I, I never in my life have looked back much. I've always went forward. I always wanted to join the military, join the military, did what I did in the military. Then, I, then I, I really came in love with the Lord, and then I went to college, and then I got here, and I did this. I'm always looking forward. But lately, I guess I have more time. I've been looking back, and I think about what, a, what an ornery little stinker I was. I'm back in a hometown where, I, I, you know, I was a stinker to a whole lot of people. And I think, man. And then I think, then it goes further, and I think, boy, God, why was you so gracious to save me, right, Michael? We've talked about it. I mean, I don't know what my life was like, but I know what Michael's life was like a little bit from talking to him. And let me tell you, if he saved me and Michael, especially Michael, he can save anybody. <laughs> and I know he doesn't have any problem with me saying that. But this adoption thing, let me tell you what, it means he freely, spontaneously, Cheerfully, voluntarily, graciously, gladly, indulgently, with tender compassions, adopted me and you into his family. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Gosh, I don't deserve it. And then this last but not least, and you'll know this is where we're getting in the time we're going to do this. My anger has turned away. And friends, if you're a believer, whether you're backslidden or not, This is a promise you have. This is the justification that God says the act were God's sovereign grace whereby he imputes to us. You know what imputes means? We use these big words theologically, but it means gives credit, assigns to me and you the perfect righteousness of Christ. 
He gave that to me and you. He just said, because you believe, I'm going to give that to you. He signs the perfect righteousness of Christ to me and you. He pardons me and you of all our sins. He clears us of all our guilt. So I'm not trying to make you feel guilty here. Not at all. That's not at all what I'm trying to do. It frees us from all punishment. It gives us the right to eternal life on the sole basis of Christ's perfect obedience and full satisfaction rendered at the cross. Our justification in Christ was decreed from eternity past, found in Revelation, accomplished on the cross, found in Isaiah 53, proclaimed in Christ's resurrection, Romans 4.24, applied to us through the faith at the moment of our new birth, or we call regeneration. That's it, plain, sermon's done, poo. Can't say no more except what we're about to do. Pick up your cups. My dad said, what will they think of next? I don't know. You know, we can't have us touching any, each other anymore because we get all germs. But, you know, this little piece of bread as we open it up, I want you to just think this morning. If you're not a believer, I want to let you know that God in the flesh, we just celebrated, was that first advent. He gave his body for me and you. Did he not? And he didn't do it because he had to. Not because the father told the son, you got to do this. And the son went, oh, I don't want to do that. No. The son was in full agreement. And Jesus, when he was set and he knew he was going to be crucified, can you just, I just, when I think about this, I can't imagine. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, this is my body. And I'm going to give this for you. We open the juice up without spilling it. If I can do that. Then he said something that just look to heaven for a second and think about the blood he shed for each one of us so that our sins might be washed as white as snow. And Jesus said, This is the blood of the new covenant. I give it for you freely. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your body and your blood for us on the cross. May we love you more each day and love the things of this world less. I pray this in Jesus' name.